Hey everybody and welcome to episode number two of Deeper Underground. I am your host Pete Jenkins and here as always to join me on this journey through Lucha Underground is my esteemed co-host Mr. James Walford. James, how have you been? I've been all right. I've been all right. Well, it's been a bit of a rough couple of weeks, but uh, people are assholes. But what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> and I, but I must say, I'm quite liking the sound of the esteemed co-host. Uh, keep that up. I might give well, you a raise. You get double exactly of what I'm already enough. giving you. <laughs> We've you know, got to keep the money men happy in these things. <laughs> oh yeah, I noticed that you referred to yourself as the. Uh, the ex- chief executive um, technical officer, wasn't the it earlier? Chief technical officer. That's right. That's right. That is correct. Peeling the curtain back, Pete's the one who does all the uh, <laughs> recording and the editing and stuff. I'm just here to lend you more my charming personality. Absolutely. James <laughs> is the pretty face around here. Yes, I'm a pretty face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, those of you that joined us for episode one may have noticed it has taken us a week or so extra to record episode number two. Uh, full disclosure, that is 100% my fault. Well, uh, it's kind of, yeah, okay. It's kind of the receptionist's fault, but go on, we'll go into it. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I had I work on a holiday village, and I had booked many months ago a week's break for myself just to chill out, and I may have forgotten that I had booked said holiday mm-hmm. until, you know, the, what was it, two days before I went, I think, James? Was yeah, it was something like that, yeah. And I was like, actually, I'm, I'm not going to be here, and where I work, the Wi-Fi is beyond shit. <laughs> like, me and my friend were trying to watch Netflix one night, and it was like trying to watch Netflix over, I don't know, like the old school ISDN line, maybe. Oh, the old dial-up. Yes. Yeah, it's... the young kids will never know the pain of hearing that screeching Absolutely sound. Absolutely not. But yeah, we were trying to watch a film, and it was like the screen was made up of about thirty pixels. <laughs> and we we swiftly gave up on that. We tried watching something on all four, and it took us an hour and twenty minutes to watch a forty-five minute program. Nice. So as you can all imagine, recording over Skype was going to be a non-starter. I was hoping I could maybe scam a cheeky premium Wi-Fi code from one of the reception girls, but it was a also a non-starter. <laughs> So, You've got to work on the charm, mate. You've got to work on the charm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm, let's just say I'm not a ladies' man. She'll really leave it at that. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, you know, we will try and make it a bit more regular for the dozens and dozens of people that have, have managed to download it. And for those of you who have downloaded it, we, uh, we would like to say a huge thank you and spread the word. And if you enjoy it, spread the word even further and let us know. Speak to us. We're on Twitter and Facebook, uh, and we'll give the plugs at the end of the show. Uh, but we're all over the place uh, on social medias and stuff, and we want to try and get uh, get the word out there so people can join us on this journey to deeper underground. Absolutely. And on that note, let us get into episode number two. Read the uh, The episode opens up with a quick recap of last week's episode, just showing sort of the, the finishes of uh, each of the matches. Yes, the recap uh, starts and talks about the epic first match between Blue Demon Jr. It refers <laughs> to the match being a war. Um, <laughs> my thoughts were probably the Hundred Year War. It, uh, it certainly <laughs> felt that long. <laughs> yes, go on. Yeah, but less said about that, any better. Anyway, moving on. Indeed. So we get into the ring and we see the three mystery assailants that attacked Johnny Mundo and Prince Puma at the end of last week's main event. Uh, We come to learn that they are called Cortez Castro, Cisco, and, well, first of all, he said he was the boss. And I thought to myself, hmm, Sasha's changed a little bit. (laughs) But we actually found out his name is Big Rick, which he certainly is big. He he was a bit of a beast of a bloke. 
certainly is big, and by all counts, he is certainly a cool person called Rick. Absolutely. Does exactly what it says on the tin. Love those names. Indeed. So just as Big Rick starts talking, uh, Johnny Mundo hits the ring and clears house, uh, apart from the boss, who just ran away. Um, obviously, he's the type of boss that runs and lets his, lets his underlings deal with everything. <laughs> They're the right kind of boss. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so on the outside, uh, Castro and Cisco grab chairs and look to storm the ring against Johnny Mundo, but down comes Prince Puma to hit the ring. And help out Johnny Mundo. Dario Cueto comes out of his office and he makes an impromptu tag match of Prince Puma and Johnny Mundo versus Castro and Cisco. Now, there's only one thing about Big Rick that's going to get a little bit confusing. They keep referring to Dario Cueto as the boss and also Big Rick is the boss. So we're going to have who's, two bosses here. Who's the and boss? I've also got Shasha Banks. I mean, who's the boss? Who's the real exactly. boss? Could the real boss please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. <laughs> So uh, the match goes about eight and a half minutes. Uh, Prince Puma and Mundo take the win after hitting stereo 450 splashes. Nice. Uh, a double pin on Castro and Cisco. Uh, James, yep. what are your thoughts on this match? Um, I thought it was a really good match, a really hot opening to the show, a bit different from last week. Now, I'll leave it behind. I've got to get over this Blue Demon Jr. But anyway, so yes, it was a really good start to the show. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just exciting. Um, I didn't think too much to Cisco and Cortez, but uh, there were some really cool double team moves from both of them. They're still finding their feet a bit in terms of what Lucha Underground wants to be. Um, they've got this sort of weird mix for me that they want to be a bit street fighter-y, a bit rough, right? And, um, and also a wrestling show. At one point, uh, there's the classic double team behind the back. The, um, the ref gets distracted and one of them grabs him from the outside. And Matt Stryker makes the point, well, there's no rules in Lucha Underground. I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause I... Literally four and a half minutes later, I timed it, four and a half minutes later, <laughs> one of them has the feet on the ropes while pinning Johnny Mundo. Well, there are rules in Lucha Underground. Make your mind up. Yeah. Yeah, you, you talk about finding their feet, and I think um, Striker and Vampiro are trying to find their commentary feet as well. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, this is pre-AAA, isn't it? So this is the first time that they've commentated together. But, yeah. I mean, I, I get it as an expression, but you're making a statement, there are no rules. Well, there clearly are rules. It is wrestling, after all. You know, is it just me, right? Big Rick, because you see him on the top of the, of the stairs, coolly smoking on a nice cigar, watching his underlings doing the work. He reminds me a lot of uh, Luke Cage. I'm not aware of that reference. I'm assuming You're not it's Marvel. Aware of that reference? Oh, I have yes. not seen Marvel TV. I'm a Marvel oh, film right. fan, not a Marvel TV fan. I will send you a picture of Luke Cage. Okay, so there is a picture of Luke Cage for you. Uh, okay, yes. I'm I'm going to throw a gimmick infringement flag out on that yeah. one. Big Rick is a slightly bigger version, but he's definitely got the you know the bald head, the goatee, and the big big uh, statuesque nature. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Yeah. I can definitely see the. Uh, See the resemblance there. I will agree with you. Yeah, I do my, like to do my bit to you know bring you up to date with the modern references. It's not, <laughs> it's not very often I get to make modern references. I'm normally the old fart. Well, yeah. I mean, same here. So we, we may have to work on that bit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was just a bit of a, a showcase for the two new guys. Um, at one point, we are told about Cisco. Uh, Matt Strike has been interviewing him backstage, finding out about his style. Oh, I just, cringed at this bit. You, you, yeah. <laughs> So, go on then, what did he describe uh, his style as? Uh, I believe it was phrased as uh, prison shower style. Indeed it was. Prison shower style. Don't drop the soap. And, <laughs> that's, like I said, he swiftly walked away. 
Yeah. As we all, we all wish he would have not said that. <laughs> it reminded me of Heidenreich. Um, oh, Heidenreich and Michael Cole. <laughs> I can just now see Cisco in a red light reading poetry. Uh, <laughs> But no, it was, I would say, a good introduction to the two guys. Obviously, Big Rick is going to be like the, the big boss. I'll use the boss again, but, you know, like a, like in a gaming term where you're playing like Street Fighter and whatever, you've got to get through all the crap guys to get to face the big bad guy. Yeah. And I thought they were very much portraying him as, as you know, all right, okay, you can beat my two underlings up, but you know, when I actually get my hands on you, you're in big trouble. So I guess that will be something that will happen down the road. Uh, probably see Johnny Mundo versus him or something like that. But uh, we'll see what uh, to make a Big Rick when he actually shows us what he can do besides looking menacing and smoking on a cigar. Which, as yes, Vampiro points out, is not setting a very good example. It's not. It's not healthy at all. No. Speaking of not healthy, uh, we see Conan backstage. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a great link. He uh, He's talking to Prince Puma and telling him that he needs to uh, stay away from Johnny Mundo. Uh, Mundo's fight isn't Prince Puma's fight. And Mundo certainly isn't Puma's friend. Uh, Prince Puma only has one friend in this business, and that's Conan. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what they're doing with Prince Puma. Um, they are keeping him as a face, but then you know you've got Conan on the outside who's who's trying to corrupt him. And Vampiro's very much pushing that on on commentary. You know, don't trust Conan. You know, Prince Puma might be a good guy, but Conan is you can't trust him. He's going to corrupt him. And this is obviously another sort of insight into. You know, Conan trying to manipulate Puma, um, and uh, we'll see what happens. I can't see him succeeding in that, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it's. I mean, I I do love these. You know, little uh, cutscenes, uh, like like you know, they just feel different because they're like from a movie. You know, it just. Um, yeah, I mean, far... something I was gonna talk about. I guess like after we talked about the matches, is like this is a forty-two, forty-four minute show, and we saw about. I think all in all, it was about 18 minutes of wrestling on this show. I think it sort of shows the way Lucha Underground want to go, like being more more story driven than wrestling based, and I I quite like that. I'll be honest, when you said that there was only about 18 minutes of wrestling, it felt more, and not in a bad way, not in a Blue Demon Chavo Guerrero Junior way. <laughs> I'm not gonna let it go, um, <laughs> but but in a way that like how that you know the matches didn't feel rushed. No. Like all of the matches felt to have about the right amount of time, with the possible exception of the main event, which could have, well, we'll come to it. Um, but, oh, you know, the first match felt like it went long, longer than it could have done, because, I mean, it really was two established stars beating up two jobbers, as far as we know. Essentially, but they, yeah. Essentially, you know, because they're unknowns. So, you know, I, I like to see a bit of wrestling. I mean, I'm watching a wrestling show, but equally... yeah. It's about the stories, especially in this early stage when you're trying to build characters up and, and set the groundwork. So I think I think the balance is right. Yeah, no, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. It doesn't um, feel contrived either, like you can do in, in WWE. It doesn't feel, you know, like, oh, and here's a here's another bit here and then, you know, really awkward. Because I, I think the one credit I would definitely give them is that they've got that feel right. Yeah, they have. The sort of, everything seems to flow really naturally, like with the backstage segments, it's... You can't actually, I think because of the way it's filmed, like as opposed to Dub Louise's style of random cameraman walking around and happens to stumble upon a wrestler. Yeah. They film it purposely like it's a TV show, and I think that sort of helps the storytelling style a bit more because, it, like you said, it doesn't seem like it's a contrived story. It's, it's happening sort of backstage as there's other stuff happening in the ring sort of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it makes, it makes complete sense. And it does, you know, helps to build that build that world. We get a very brief introduction to Mil Muertes, 
Uh, there's not a lot of substance to this. Uh, we hear a woman doing a, a quick voiceover as we see a, a big shadowy figure walking through a hallway. And finally, we see a really big mass bastard as we hear that thousand deaths are coming. Yeah, I'd say there's not much to say. Um, he's We was teased at the last episode, and uh, here he is uh, coming and to be yeah. honest, with that with that beautiful girl slavering all around him, I think I would be too. Um, well, I'd like to lower the tone every now and then. Well, absolutely. I mean, if not lowering the tone, then what are we even doing here? <laughs> Wasn't there a tone in the first place? Well, exactly. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, we see Son of Havoc and Ivelisse in the ring. Uh, Ivelisse being another new character being introduced. And they're going up against Chavo and Sexy Star in a tag match. Chavo. Sorry, I got to do it. <laughs> We're not going to do this every time Chavo comes on the screen, though, are we? I make no promises. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a good, entertaining match. Again, only about five, five and a half minutes long. Um, the, the finish was a bit mm, fugazi for me. Um, <laughs> so, Chavo hits uh, the, the sort of the famous Eddie Guerrero frog splash. And then he tags in Sexy Star, who hits a rolling pin combination and gets the one, two, three on Son of Havoc. Now, my problem lies in this. We'll get to the rest of the match in a second. But Mm -hmm. you have Chavo hitting his finisher, renowned throughout the land of wrestling as a great finishing move. And Son of Havoc stands straight back up. I've got exactly the same note. And then he loses to Sexy Star, who instead of hitting whatever her finisher may be... Rolls him up and gets the one, two, three. Yeah, it was stupid. No problem with Sexy Star getting the win. Big problem with how it happened. Is the, yeah. the, the gist of my notes. She just needed to do a, a anything like a splash from the top rope or anything. I mean, she's obviously a capable wrestler. She needed to do something to put the explanation mark. Because, you know, he just popped... I mean, all right, he was selling it. Like, oh, my ribs hurt, whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, this is a finish here. You should, you should lie down. I hate it. One of my pet bugbears in wrestling is the one, two, three, oh, and his shoulder's up just at the last minute. I was listening to an interview. Finish, I yeah, well, I was listening to an interview with Nick Aldis uh, recently, conducted by the uh, Vince McMahon of Europe, Mr. Kenny McIntosh. Oh, happy! Uh, and uh, he was talking about, you know, if people are going to beat me, they're going to beat me. You know, I, I'm not doing any of this one, two, three kick out nonsense. If I'm if I've been beaten, I've been beaten. I'll stay down for a minute. Yeah, I, and that, I, that's what I much prefer to see. You know, because otherwise it's just nonsense. Like, oh, he's only just managed to catch him. Oh, he's only just. If it's a finisher, it should be a finisher, and he should just be down. Otherwise, it's just what's the point. But yeah, yeah. no, I agree. How did you uh, feel they handled the intergender stuff? Because we had a long conversation about intergender wrestling uh, last week. Uh, we well, did. Sorry, last episode. I thought it was a lot better this week. Yeah. I thought everything seemed more realistic. Everything flowed nicer for me, and yeah, marked improvement, shall we say. On the well, both, gender thing. Yeah, because both women were made to look like they were actually competent, you know, whereas in the last yeah. match, if you remember, one of our main problems was the fact that they built up Sexy Star as this big, badass, kick-ass woman, and she just got her ass kicked for the majority Absolutely. of the match. She got squashed in seconds. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's um, it was it was definitely a lot better. Um, you know, and, and they have this whole thing in Lucha Underground, which is the whole thing about if you're tough enough, you're welcome into the temple. I mean, uh, Vamp points it in, puts it in succinctly terms as saying, if you've got the three pieces set, the right size, you know where we are, which is interesting in an intergender match. Um, yeah. But uh, they talked about, you know, it, it's, it's a whole thing of equal rights, equal fights, isn't it? You know, if you're if you're tough enough, then you're tough enough and you go for it. I mean, 
There was there was another piece of of commentary, and I think I'm pretty certain from our our brief chat earlier on, you definitely caught this. So there's a part where Sexy Star is on the apron and Ivory is on the outside. Sexy Star runs and hits a running senton, a seated senton, basically ends up with a sitting on the face. <laughs> the crowd go wild, and Vampiro points out the crowd here love it, smell it, feel it, breathe it. Lucha Underground. I mean, that's just. Yeah. That's just not called for that. Um, I'm... <laughs> I I literally rewound that about three or four times. Did he actually? Yeah, he said that. Yeah. Yes, he did. I I'm sure um, Mr. Striker got a, a sly comment, and I don't remember what he said. No, but no I he, definitely he, remember before, something. Before he before Vamp said that, he was like, oh, and that's definitely a move. I'm not sure what I'm going to call it, but I'm going to leave it there." And Vamp's like, "No, nope, you hold my beer. I'm going to. I've got this. Don't you? Worry, I've got you covered. Smell it, feel it, breathe it." <laughs> Oh, vampiro! <laughs> it was brilliant, though. I, you know. Anyway, it was it was a good match, exception of the finish, which made storyline sense that Sexy Star had to pin Son of Havoc. It's just the way they went about it was a bit yeah. cocky. Uh, so we head backstage and we see James's favorite wrestler, Blue Demon Junior. Yeah, uh, warming up in brackets. In my notes, I have put barely warming up uh, <laughs> in the locker room, um, and we see the sultry and mysterious Katrina sneak up on him. And delivers Blue Demon Jr. a message from Mil Martes. A lick on the cheek. And I quote, a taste before a thousand deaths. Yeah, this was, hmm. this was cool, cool. Just her and the atmosphere. And, um, I mean, obviously, I'm not a big Blue Demon Jr. fan. But Have just... you noticed? Yeah. <laughs> And in other surprising news, the sky is blue. Um, and but this was this was cool the way that they presented it, and she is just intriguing. I think that's the way to put it. It's intriguing. She she licks him on the mask, of course, because his mask is covering up most of his face. Of course, it was just weird, but you were like, oh, okay, this is this is different. I like this. Yeah, I mean, not to get too much into what happens in the future, but it's sort of you sort of you see Katrina approaching him from behind. And mm. Blue Demon turns around, and Katrina's not there anymore. Yeah, so there is a very... sort of question mark as to, well, what's going on here? It's very smokes and mirrors, isn't it? It's, yes, uh, absolutely. It's the sort of stuff that we don't see anymore now. But we you know we used to get back in the day with the Undertaker and and Kane, you know, throwing fireballs and stuff like that. Which you know, when it's done right, it looks look cool. When when you're at the right age, look back, it's a bit hokey, and it, sometimes it doesn't particularly work. See Warrior and Hogan, um, but you know, it, I don't know. I think in in this kind of scenario, this kind of um, world, it it can work. So we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to see what's going to happen going forward. Uh, so from there, we roll into uh, another Prince Puma sort of vignette. Um, we see Puma working on a, a heavy bag as Conan tells us about how his famous friend found Puma uh, in one of the worst neighbourhoods in the country in a back alley fighting for his life. Uh, he goes into Prince Puma's heritage and how he's a, a direct descendant of the fiercest tribe of the Aztecs and that Lucha Underground is his calling. Yeah, two promos uh, for Prince Puma. Promo uh, each week, and then there was two separate sections, and then he was in the first match. It's quite clear that he's going to be the, the main focal point going forward. I'm looking forward to the, the next promo video next week, where it might be narrated by David Attenborough, you know. <laughs> and so yeah. here we see the Puma in his natural habitat. Notice as he flies majestically through the air, ricocheting off the ropes. 
Oh, you beat me to it, and I'm so glad you did, because that was so much better than where I was going. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, he is, he's very clearly being built up as, like, their main star. I mean, they sort of they seem to be, like, tagging him along with uh, Johnny Mundo at the moment, but we haven't seen anywhere near as much build-up for Johnny Mundo as we have Prince Puma, so that sort of tells us the direction that they're going in with him, I think. The only other person that's got as much promo time has been maybe Chavo Guerrero. Um, but, I mean, that's evident as to what happens at the end. Uh, yeah. That, you know, he's going to be involved in, in sort of a major storyline going forward. Um, but, yeah, P- Prince Puma is, is definitely the one that they're focusing on. Which is yeah. fine, because, I mean, he's awesome. And, he, and he's a younger guy. I mean, Johnny Mundo's still great, but he's an older guy. Um, and I mean, I suppose for them, Prince Puma is the sort of almost the homegrown talent, really, because I mean, everybody knows Johnny Mundo from in John Morrison days. Um, Absolutely. So this is Prince Puma, the one that they can claim is is sort of their creation, really. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent agree with that. So after that, it is main event time. Uh, it is going to be Blue Demon Junior versus Mil Muertes. Um, Matt Stryker says, what a treat. We get to see Blue G- Demon Jr. two weeks in a row. I don't share your enthusiasm, Matt. And no, I don't think many people did, to be fair. Um, to be fair, he got, a, he got a decent cheer from the crowd. So I, I will, you know, I'm going to eat a bit of humble pie here because this was a lot better um, from Blue Demon Jr. And they did a lot better job on commentary of talking about his history and why he's a big thing. Was when if you remember last week, one of my problems was I had no idea who he was, um, and you know, so the whole oh, Blue Demon Junior versus the Chavo Guerrero, the Guerrero versus the Blue Demon thing was just totally lost. So they they did a much better job of building it up this week. So I I will give them that definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think the the style of this match sort of like, as as we said last week, I've never seen Blue Demon Junior before, but I think. This sort of style of match suited Blue Demon Jr. a lot more than the sort of the slightly more bouncier Chavo Guerrero style of things. This was a, a very sort of slow, plodding, methodical power style matchup. Yeah, it's... and you've got the you've got the differing expectations as well. I mean, that was the first match of Lucha Underground, and you know you you were looking forward to seeing what happened. This time, because of the first match, you know your expectations are slightly lower. You've got a bit of a better understanding of what you're going to get from a Blue Demon Jr. match. You know. Yeah, Mil Muertes gets the win uh, after this. Uh, quite a short match, only three and a half minutes. He finishes it with, I'll be honest, a slightly poor-looking flatliner. Yeah, it didn't look great. It wasn't a fantastic look, but again, a decent match, a short match. It, As James said earlier, it didn't feel anywhere near as short as it actually was. I thought this gone about seven, eight minutes. Yeah. And I, yeah, when I timed it out and it was three and a half minutes, I had to go, I was like, have I written this down right? Because it felt... It didn't feel longer in a boring way. It felt longer in a wow. There's they seem to have got like a decent amount of action in this, and yeah, it's only three and a half minutes, but a good match, I thought. I think my only criticism of it would be that they they got themselves caught between whether they wanted it to be a squash or whether they wanted it to be a competitive match because yeah. they they brought Milmoas as you know in as he's the the big bad guy. He's been built up as you know had a really cool entrance. He comes from beyond the grave, which is cool. Um, and I was expecting this to be a bit more one-sided. Um, and as as a match, you know, of course, it's best better if it's a bit, you know, give and take. But yeah, 
if you're building Milmartes as like the the man of a thousand deaths, essentially, you know, this this big badass, I expected him to make life a little bit easy against Blue Demon Jr. Um, but it made it a bit of a better match. It was a bit more competitive, so you know, fair enough. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. It felt like it. It felt like it wanted to be a squash match, but yet I feel like I feel like Blue Demon Junior got too much in on him, made him look a bit too vulnerable. Yeah, no, I'd I'd agree. I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, after the match, uh, Mimuarta continues to beat down Blue Demon Junior. Chavo comes running down with a chair and runs Mimuarta's and Katrina off, and then just ends up absolutely twatting Blue Demon Junior in the head with a chair and beats him down instead. Uh, referees come down, Chavo lays them out, there's two unknown luchadors come down, they get laid out as well. We see Sexy Star coming down to try and reason with her tag team partner from earlier in the evening, and she gets a folding chair to the face for her efforts. Yeah, uh, my notes my notes there are, holy shit, Chavo smacked her with a chair. Yeah, he laid that in. Yeah. Which I can appreciate. You know, she's, she's interjected herself, she's, she's yeah, going to live with the consequences as it were and and you know in 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 real life she strikes me as a sort of person that would say to him look you know if you're gonna swing swing uh yeah. you know don't don't take it easy um how did you feel because i suspect this is going to be a thing going forward how did you feel about the chair shots to the head full disclosure i hate chair shots to the head yeah i used to love them when i was a kid and could barely spell concussion let alone know what one was <laughs> But you can't, you can't it, unlearn it, can you? No. As soon as like we know all about the dangers now, like second concussion syndrome and you know all of the, the horrible business that goes along with it, I am a major proponent against unprotected chair shots to the head. So where, yeah. where, where are you on it? I'm assuming no, you have a, a similar ilk. Yeah, I agree. Um, having said that, the fact that we never see them anymore definitely added to the <gasps> holy crap. Um, but no, I'm not a fan. I mean, it's not worth the risk. Um, I don't. I also don't like the the compromise which we've got to, which is, you know, a shot to the gut, always bent over for about ten minutes, and then he gets a shot to the back. I think there's got to be a middle ground. I mean, I'm not no no shots to the head makes sense, but there's got to be a better way of using a chair than just this whole stalling, folding over, waiting for the chair shot to the back thing. Yeah. Um, so it's about how you do it a bit, but no, I'm not a fan. It's not worth the risk. Um, you know, I'd like yourself. I used to used to enjoy it when when we didn't know about what was what was going on. You know, yeah. Um, watching JBL versus Eddie Guerrero. Um, I forget what what pay per view it was, but the one where Guerrero gets massively busted open from a chair. Oh yeah, you know, I know the one. I... really badly. Yeah, I think it's judgment. You know, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was out of my time, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an infamous moment. Yeah. The, um, the, the one the, that sealed it for me was um, Royal Rumble 99 when oh, there was that yeah. famous I Quit match in Rock yeah. and Mankind and The Rock just leathers seven bells of shit out of Mick Foley's head. And I think it was, what was it, 11 or 13 chair shots. And I remember yeah. watching it at the time thinking, Jesus, that looks amazing. And then you sort of, you saw Beyond the Mat and you saw what sort of state Mick Foley was in. And I rewatched that a couple of weeks ago because I think uh, Bruce Pritchard had done a uh, in-depth look at the Royal Rumble '99 event, and I watched it back and I felt a little bit sick. 
I've not watched it back for a long time. Um, because I mean, at the time, I really enjoyed it, and it and it made sense story-wise. I mean, obviously, there was way too many, but it made sense that mankind was this guy that wouldn't quit and they would never quit. Um, and they really, obviously, you know, drove that home. Um, it same effect could have been done with half as many chair shots, but yeah, you know, um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that's really hard to unlearn. You know, you can't. I, but that way, I can't really judge it too much, too harshly. The 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 number ninety nine thing. But I'm thinking about this, and it's 2014, and I think we um, would have known around about then, surely. I'm trying to think of when, yeah, when, I mean, when it started to come out because Benoit was before that, long before that, when he when he did what he did. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So you know, it's, it's been a long time that we we've, we've known really, and here we are in 2014, and they're still doing it. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, I'm pretty sure. I'm just trying to Google it quickly now. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they would have they would have known back then that you know, chair shots to the head or maybe a no no. I'm pretty sure the WWE had banned them by this point. I mean, I'm well, yeah. wrong. Maybe we're sort of advancing time quicker than we thought. But I don't know. Okay, here we go. So yeah. Um, I've just managed to pull up a uh, Bleacher Report article from March 2010 uh, announcing that uh, WWE had banned blood and chair shots to the head. So this is four years after that. Well, the thing is with this, this is 2014, and that's four years after the WWE had decided to stop chair shots to the head and blood. And, and we, we all sort of knew that it was bad for you, you know, it was after obviously Benoit, Benoit was a few years previous to that, Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I just can't understand why they're doing it, it feels very unnecessary, I, you know, I, you want to stand out, you want to be different, you want to be edgy and and this goes back to what we were saying earlier on about they haven't quite decided what they want to be you know, they've got this street fighter element you know, being tough and from the streets and gang warfare and all that kind of stuff um, but equally, you're doing a wrestling show, and as a wrestling show, you have a responsibility to your athletes, and you have a responsibility to your audience, to to set a reasonable example. And, and doing chair shots to the head in 2014 is, is, is not is not fine. It, it's they should yeah. know better. Having said that, I think what we're going to have to do going forward is we're going to have to sort of park that because it's probably going to be a thing that they're going to keep doing for a bit. I hope there comes a point when they stop. But I can't see that happening in the in the certainly in this season, um, and there doesn't seem an awful lot of point in keep having in the same debate. But I I I think every time you if you're watching along with us or every time you hear us refer to chair shot to the head, please know that we are not in favour of chair shots to the head for the reasons that we've just talked about. Um, but we can't you know keep going over the same ground each time. But it, no, it's it's just it. it's just daft you know. It's not necessary. There's other things to do. There's other cool spots to do um, that are safer. I mean, you know, we were talking a bit about, um, you know, Royal Rumble 99, and Mick Foley's still not right after that. And I mean, obviously, he's done an awful lot more stuff in in his lifetime, um, a lot more dangerous stuff. uh, But he's, he's still not right. If you watch... If you watch Holy Foley, you know, he's got that Christmas room and, you know, he sits his son down in the Santa chair and he tells him off in the Santa... He's, he's just... He's not... I mean, I love him. I think he's, I've got loads of time for Mick Foley, but he's not right. Nobody can watch him and think he's right. Because uh, of all the damage that has been done. And, and he is the one that's 
actually kind of come off it lightly. There's a lot of people done a lot worse from the stuff that they the damage that they've done. And it's obviously well, it's not exclusively chair shots to the head, but they've got to be careful with stuff like that. It's yeah. just not worth it. No. I mean that's pretty much the end of this episode. Um right so, at the uh, end we see um Chavo kneeling down on the, the Lucha Underground seal. And I thought this was quite a, like a good sort of visual sort of Chavo kneeling down on the seal in the middle of the ring and just like the bodies surrounding him. Um, I yeah. thought that was quite a good visual. And we see Blue Demon Jr. getting stretched off as Chavo sits and watches. And it seems that maybe that's Blue Demon Jr. maybe going bye-bye. Well, I, well, uh, I won't be too sad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, chair shots to the head aside, I love the angle. It makes complete sense. They brought him out earlier on in the show and he was complete face, facing it up, you know, doing the Eddie Guerrero, you know, frog splash and being the good guy Chavo, letting Sexy Star get the win. And then all of a sudden you see the real Chavo. And, and it makes sense because it plays back to what happened in the first episode of Dario Cueto saying to him, you know, you're supposed to be a warrior, you're supposed to be a fighter. And you tapped out straight away. So what's wrong with you? What are you at, man? And so he's come out and he's peed off and he's peed off with, um, you know, uh, Blue Demon Jr. and anyone that's going to stand in his way is going to feel the wrath of Chavo Guerrero and it, it was a different side to Chavo that I've not really seen very much of I always associate him as a face or yeah. as a or as a, as a sneaky heel not as a badass so it made it made sense it was it was a really cool moment and especially you know him hitting Sexy Star was just a moment of oh my you know I expected him possibly to do something but the, you know it goes back to not being used to intergender stuff you yeah. would never in a million years see anything like that in the WWE um, oh, absolutely not so yeah I, I thought really cool angle and sets it up nicely for what's going to happen next week and a bit of a badass Chavo we'll see where we go with yeah, that but, uh, absolutely it's going to be quite exciting to see sort of where they go with Charvo now as being yeah just like the complete badass heel yeah looking forward to it all in all much much better episode I thought I'd go as far as to say possibly a solid 80% improvement on where they were from last week yeah brought in another couple of extra characters padded the roster up a little bit more going forward um and there was one thing that sort of hit me in the face a little bit earlier and I know we're only two shows in but there's no titles yet. Good point. But it's still been really compelling storytelling without the need to have a title involved at this point. Well, because each match has had stakes. It's had something, you know, going into it. So the first match was a grudge match because the two guys had attacked them, so they were defending, you know, fighting back against the two attackers from the previous night. The second match was about, you know, Sexy Star getting revenge on Son of Havoc. And the third match we saw was punishment for Blue Demon Jr., you know, and, and the debut of the new guy and then the swerve at the end. So everything happened for a reason. And I think, you know, it's, it's good to have a title to fight over because that's a, that is a storyline prop. Um, yeah. But they've got enough storyline stuff going on now that they actually don't need it yet. And I'm sure they will come, but they don't need it yet. No, that's it. And I think, like, sort of, if we keep seeing a sort of gradual introduction of another couple of uh, new characters every um, every episode, I think we're they're in a really nice position at the moment. They've got, obviously, they've got their two main heels set up. I'm assuming, like, Mil Muertes is going to be a heel going forward. Obviously, they've set up Chavo to be a big heel. Then on the opposite of that, you've got Prince Puma and Johnny Mundo as like the big baby faces. You've got the undercard guys getting set up in sort of Son of Havoc and Sexy Star and 
I think yeah, we're in a quite a good place at the end of this episode. Yeah, we I mean, we need a few more uh, faces on obviously on the faces side because um, I mean I don't really see who's going to take on Chavo uh, or Milmuertes yet because I mean uh, Prince Puma and Johnny Mundo are in their own sort of story. Yeah, um, but I'm sure we will get more. One question to somebody who never really watched Lucha Underground: I don't think so, but did they have pay per views or anything like that? Special events. Um, so again, without divulging too much information, um, Lucha Underground is season based, like a TV show. Mm. And at the end of each season, they have what they call an Ultima Lucha, which is it's a sort of a pay per view style. Right. Um, that it's the big, they're the big blow off matches for the main storylines for that season, but they're done over a sort of a couple of TV episodes. Right. That's what I was wondering because, like, it, you know, I'm so used to build up to a pay per view or build up to a special show or something like that. That's, you know, that's the way that I've been brought up as a wrestling fan. That it, it's kind of different to see that not happening, and it, you know. At least it will happen as a season finale, I guess, which makes sense with the way that they're filming it and and producing it. Yeah, like there are sort of again, not divulging too much. There are sort of certain special matches they introduced through a season, so that you do have that sort of not a breaking story, but there's like episodes where a certain match will happen, and it's sort of a a break from the norm. Yeah. Without going no, into no, 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 that's fine. That's so fine. it's sort of they do. They do do a tiny bit of the WWE style, but for the most part, it is literally the whole run of episodes, and then you have your big blow-offs then at the end of the, the TV series, TV season. Sorry. So, yeah, like I said, good episode. Um, you're rated out of five, James? Um, I'm going to give this... I'm going to give this a solid four, I think. I think I'm going to give it good. a four. Good yeah. matches, good story progression... Uh, and yeah, no, I think I think a four. I think um, yeah, it was yeah. an easy watch, etc. Et yeah. I'd, I'd be I'd go along with that. I was thinking a four myself. Um, no part of this show sort of felt like it was dragging on a bit. Like we did have that in moments last week. Um, but yeah, it flowed really well. Great story advancement. Good matches, and yeah, just a, a great overall show. Excellent. James, if anybody wants to come and find us on our varying social media platforms, where can they find us? They can find us uh, on Twitter at PodDeeper. That's the Deeper Underground Pod uh, on Twitter. On Facebook, we can just search for Deeper Underground Podcast and we're there on Facebook. Uh, You can also find our co-hosts. We can find Peter at... uh, Go on, you're going to give you our Twitter handle. My Twitter handle is at Supernova619, that's S-U-P-A-N-O-V-A-619. And I'm over at Prince Punda. Uh, that's because I'm owning a mistake that you probably picked up from last time, where I referred to Prince Puma as Prince Punda, um, which was entirely deliberate, and I'm claiming it. <laughs> so I am at Prince Punda, that's at P-R-I-N-C-E-P-U-N-D-A. So I'm there uh, for all your love of puns and princes and pumas. So, yeah, as James said earlier on the show, um, if you are enjoying the show with us, if you're watching along with us, please give us all, you know, the likes, the shares, the retweets, and spread the word for us. Uh, I know Lucha Underground is a very sort of, it's a very niche subject here in the UK. It's not easy to get hold of to watch. So we're asking for all the help we can possibly get in spreading the word on what we're doing. And hopefully get some more people introduced to this 
seemingly wonderful world of Lucha Underground. I think that's one of the the things that I'm enjoying the most is that this is something that most people, a lot of people, haven't heard of or, or been involved with. So what I would encourage you is to try and watch along with us if you can. I mean, it's not available through some sources, but if you are clever and suitably inclined to try and Google it, you can find all the episodes. Um, and uh, watch along with us. Let us know your thoughts on the shows. Let us know on the thoughts on our show. And uh, we'll try and uh, grow from here. Absolutely. Um like I said, all, all and any feedback is appreciated. Um, uh, yeah, I just want to give uh, a quick shout-out to uh, the kayfabe jobber of YouTube and Inside the Ropes Frame. Um, got a really nice message off him after the last episode. Really positive feedback, stuff we can work on. And yes, please, any feedback you have, please send to myself, to James, to our Twitter page, to our Facebook page. And yeah, let us know your thoughts. So till next time, in the temple, I say. There it is. Orale home, see you next time. Yes, sir.